So the last podcast Ed was called Football is Back, but now football is back. Really football back. Football has happened. Actual back. How much football have you injected into yourself in the last 72 hours? I've watched every game bar Bournemouth Palace. <laughs> I've watched quite a lot of Bournemouth Palace. Yeah, yeah. So I watched the two, Villa, Sheffield United and City Arsenal on Wednesday. Yeah. Then there was nothing. Then there was the United game. There was how many on Saturday? Quite a few. Four games on Saturday. Four games on Saturday. Could... So I missed the last one. And then I watched the three today. Pretty good. That's a lot I, of football. I, I can't, I'd, I'd need a list in front of me to tell you why I watched. I definitely watched City Arsenal. I watched the United game, obviously. Um, I did watch a bunch of stuff yesterday. But all I remember is the Watford Leicester, the last five minutes of the Watford Leicester game, which is among the best football you could ever hope to see, bizarrely. Um, I was thinking during that game, um, Watford had Ben Foster, Danny Welbeck and Tom Cleverley. And it occurs to me that around 2011, there might have been an FPL team where someone had those three players in it. You know, you're only allowed like three players from the same team. It'd be right. like, it's a very weird three to pick from the history of United, isn't it? But they might Foster, have done. Cleverly and Welbeck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's three yeah, careers uh, that went south. Well, Ben Foster's had a decent career for, for the player he is. But uh, yeah. the other two, I'm sure, had large ambitions. Yeah, and quality, as we saw, felt like a bit of a game club game club reunion. Johnny <laughs> yeah, Evans not doing that, in that game. It, it, real game club. Yeah, rebranding. Real game club. Real game club. So we're going to talk a lot about um, the rest of these games in the bonus content for Patreons because we're kind of going to do a little series where, because I think both of us are going to be watching what can only be described as a biologically unhealthy amount of football. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I'm going to have to reject the premise of your statement there, Paul. Okay. I think it's perfectly healthy. It's the six cans of beer that I'm drinking while watching each game that is biologically unhealthy. Yeah, that's not good on a four Saturday, a four game Saturday. Um, then, uh, so we're going to do that every week, basically, for, until people tell us they're bored of it or we get bored of it um, until the end of the season. Uh, for bonus content. Um, but as always, the thrust of our show is going to be talking about a United game. And this is a, a United game we'd never seen before, that we didn't know the outcome of before it started. And it was a weird experience. Um, but honestly, I, I was quite emotional. There was a number of quite emotional things that happened in this game. And uh, I have to say, I absolutely loved it. Even when we were 1-0 down, I was just watching it with a massive grin on my face going... Oh, you're not in a back. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say I felt more relaxed about watching the other games rather than yeah. the United game, especially the prospect of losing to a Mourinho team, a very Mourinho team. And, uh, so Mourinho. And, and, yeah, there's the, I mean, and it's like the overall narrative of the game was, was slightly odd, actually, because United had a good half hour and then just... Seemed to switch off for a while, and yeah, the intensity of the game or of United's game seems to just drop. Uh, and Tottenham came into it quite strongly, didn't really create anything, but came into it quite strongly. And I was like, "Oh, this is not good." But United were great in the second half, and I, or very good in the second half, and fully deserved their equaliser. Probably deserved more than an equaliser out of this game. And and we'll go into the next game feeling, I think, you know, fairly up. But there's there's a lot more nuance to it than that, of course. But I th- mm. I th- that was my general sense of the game. You? 100% couldn't agree more. I mean, 
There is absolutely no doubt that um, on the balance of play, United deserved to minimum draw. I mean, the let's just straight away talk about the XG. Even without the penalty, United's XG is significantly higher than Tottenham's with the penalty. It's astronomically higher. There's, uh, there's uh, John from Stockport typing his Apple podcast review. Love the show, lads, but just stop with the XG chat, will you? I just mean that United cre- clearly created clearly way better chances. More. I'm, I'm pulling your uh, leg. Yeah, but- no, I, no, I know, but even even I do understand why the language is off-putting to people. But but in just in very simple terms, United created way more, way better chances than Spurs more and did, better and- than Spurs. Spurs didn't have anything of note, really. I mean, no. even the goal um, was a complete mess. I mean, it's kind of slightly odd game in that the, the first fifteen, for I think, completely under standable reasons it was quite cagey I mean there wasn't yeah. a lot happened there there's a lot of sideways passing um it was fairly low intensity it's not the kind of opening to a Premier League game United versus Spurs that you kind of expect really no um uh, you know but people teams seem to be feeling their way into it you know I don't think there was yeah. a chance in the first 15 minutes for example it was just all side 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 um but you kind of realized why that would happen yeah, I took some notes. The only notes I've got in that first 15 minutes is after about three minutes, uh, someone threw in the ball, United player threw in the ball, and Bruno just passed it to Fred with the top of the outside of his foot. And it was just the most sublime bit of technical skill. Yeah, to lovely, no great lovely, end. Was, lovely moment. Yeah, I have yeah. I have uh, three notes before that. So that is 20th minute. Um, oh no, that was like in the third minute. Oh, that, that one was I'm uh, oh, right. Yeah, I was thinking. Of oh, not the, the flick to not, Fred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, later. Just yeah. That, um, there was so there was that. Then there was like a bit where there was quite a lot of space for Aurier on the right, and United looked extremely narrow early on. But that didn't really manifest into much across the course of the game. It's just a sort of early note, and then just eighteen minutes, the first sort of half flicker, um, a long ball into Dan James that was headed clear at the back post, but that. That was it. That was the yeah. first kind of red-blooded action in the game kind of thing. So my, my first couple of notes were, one, weird hearing Mourinho shouting at the players. <laughs> There's a lot of audible player shouting and a lot of apologies from commentators going, well, if you're not watching with the augmented crowd noise, you may have heard some things you didn't want to hear. <laughs> um, Gary Neville got very excited in the Merseyside derby about uh, the um, the sledging that was happening <laughs> that he could pick up on, which was good fun. I really think they should all be mic'd up. This would be fantastic content. Um, anyway, um, but there the are a few things that annoyed me. Um, I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the crowd noises on because I tried that out with some of the other games. And I absolutely hate it. Um, I, I realise this is not the experience of everyone. Lots mm-hmm. of people seem to get something out of it but for me it feels completely fake it's not quite right it's pretty good but the human pressing the button that is close is more delayed than an actual crowd watching the game and i'm like what's the point of this i know there is no crowd there anyway so so i've turned that off there's one good bit about it which is when the human pressing the button presses the boo button that's really good i i also can't listen to it although there was I watched one game with it on because for some reason the BT Sport channel that was broadcasting the game without the sound is not on Virgin Media. So yes, um, yeah. so I had to watch the Leicester-Watford game and I kind of got used to it and it did provide some auditory normality kind of thing. But Look, I, it's like I much Muzak in a, in, a, in a lift. 
you know, yeah. it's there. It's just but... not, it's not what's happening. Yes. And I don't, I want to see what's happening. Exactly, it feels inauthentic happen- and uh, yeah. that's, that's why it annoys me. But anyway, this wasn't the thing I was going to mention. The other thing that's kind of annoying me with the coverage is that Sky Sports still have their swoosh noises. And when there's a lot of noise, it's just a like happening oh, no. in the background of a lot of noise. But here it's really prominent. Like You've just every few minutes. For everyone. It's like whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> Like I wish there was a button to turn that off. It's really grating. Uh, the BBC Live, what well, I was watching the BBC Live thing on my PS4 and iPlayer, and um you could have no crowd noise, but you could also have no comms but you couldn't have no crowd noise and no comms. The no comms channel had the crowd noise on. It's like, no, that's what my ideal thing is just the sound from the match. No commentary, no. So that would be perfect. I'd like that every time, please. You know, anyway. You really would um, pick up on the sledging then. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to, um, it was the, the BBC. Anyway, we'll talk about this loads in the in the bonus content. I really just liked Gary Lineker saying, and it's live at the beginning. That was really good. <laughs> um, um, but you know what? We didn't, there are a few other things we didn't mention. And I, I know we're like we're partway through our review of the game, but uh, the game starts with a minute's silence or a period of silence for people who've been affected by COVID, which is mm-hmm. right because it's now at half a million people worldwide or whatever um, yeah. who've died. Uh, and um, depending on whose numbers you believe, Potentially more than 60,000 people have died in the UK, which is a hell of a lot. Um, and then um, a moment for Black Lives Matter, which I know has irked um, a lot of people on the right of our political spectrum, including some members of the cabinet who feel free to comment on it. But uh, it was quite an emotional moment, I thought, with Marcus Rashford taking a knee. Um, didn't you think? I mean, others too, yeah, but particularly no, Rashford. I don't- I almost feel like we shouldn't even talk about the counter reaction to it to an extent. Not not that we should ignore it altogether, but I do feel like there's some very loud, ignorant voices. And of course there is there are substantial numbers of people that that are ignorant and ill-informed on this. But I would say that the subs- a substantial majority I'm not a I'm not a naive person by nature. Like I get what the world we're living in is like. But I do think a very substantial number of people on the the kind of like that have a viscerally negative reaction to it are just very badly informed. And a friend of the show, Carl Anker, made the excellent point that both on BT and Sky, Sky, who, by the way, should be ashamed of themselves for using it as an advert for Sky movies. Yes, I think it's awful. I mean, we were chatting on the the, the WhatsApp group about this. I just think it's the the wrong tone completely. Absolutely. 100%. And and Carl was saying, like, the thing that the broadcasters are doing a terrible job of is explaining why this is happening. They're saying things like it's taking a stand against racism or, you know, um, uh, that, you know, it's a the thing that you hear over and over again is this is a powerful gesture. But there's nobody saying why yeah. uh, the BBC did a brilliant job of this uh, with uh, Ian Wright speaking beautifully on the subject, uh, heartbreakingly. Um, it's on his social media and and if you if you're genuinely not, don't understand why this is happening, that's a beautiful kind of primer and starting point. But in truth, well, I, I, I was, think if you don't uh, understand, you probably don't want to. But um, no, no, I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't, I think there are, there are that is a cohort of people who don't understand because they don't want to. But there are also people who just never been exposed to the idea of systemic racism because they've lived in a bubble away from it their whole lives. 
And that the, there are, maybe this is a minority of people who don't understand it, but they exist. I know I've met them and talked to them that uh, there are people who would do better if they knew better and are curious and want to inform themselves and get better. So, hmm. so I, 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 I mean, there are loads of people who don't understand and don't care. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, whatever. So um, but, systemic but racism's uh, John Terry took a knee, which was uh, interesting. And uh, his Mandarin-waiting Graham Souness is wearing a Black Lives Matter badge on all the coverage. Yeah, hmm. there's, there's... Anyway, shall we move on? <laughs> 22nd uh, uh, well, no, minute, Rashford no, nearly I scores. Just, <laughs> I just wanted to say the Marcus Rashford moment was absolutely uh, electric, to yeah. be honest. Marcus Rashford taking a knee with his fist raised, it... It's it was it spoke volumes about why about the depth of feeling that there is in this and you know I know that there's campaigners out there that this has meant a tremendous amount to the scale and mainstreamness of it and of course there's a there's a backlash against that but there always is against anything that moves change in a positive direction. So well, I think yeah. the mainstreamness of it is important and yeah. um, and not reflected in other sports you know the, the premier league is is more progressive in this sense than any other league or sport on the planet yeah undoubtedly absolutely yeah and that's unusual to and be player driven and as well by the way this is this is not owners doing it no this is uh honestly this is young black men that's that's who has made this happen not that's not obviously it's not only young black men that are participating in it but it's young black men that have moved this agenda within football in the UK to where it currently stands. Um, so, yeah, uh, 22 minutes. Now, just before that, <laughs> before the 22 minutes, Bruno uh, somehow tackled the ball off a Tottenham player while flicking it over the Tottenham player's head and gathering it on the other side. And the extent to which, until Pogba came on, Bruno Fernandes was the best player on the pitch in any, in any measurable sense. Was I mean, he's just a complete cut above the rest. Yes. I mean, look, uh, Oli said before the game that Pogba would play more and more minutes and he's working his way back into it. Basically, he's not played a game since Boxing Day. And he hadn't played a game before that for a month. Yeah, more than that maybe even, yeah. Yeah, well, about a month, yeah. So he's he's played hardly any football. Uh, all season, like for basically a year. Um, so, and he had this you know, really bad ankle injury, which I know an awful lot of the yahoos on Twitter will uh, not accept, but he did have this extremely bad ankle injury, which just doesn't heal very well. Ended Marco van Basten's career, by the way, this, this kind of injury. So, you know, now he looks fit and strong. And when he came on, it was fantastic. And that very long lead in was to say, didn't look, didn't it look great when both of them were, were on the pitch? Oh I mean, Pogba had a lovely 20 minute cameo. Um, Bruno had a 90 minute lovely cameo. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, he, look, I'm glad he's, he's taken off where he, he, um, he stopped when, yeah, when the lockdown he's came. Taken you know, off where he's, he stopped. Yeah. He's, yeah, that made no sense. But, um, <laughs> anyway, you know, he's, he, they, they've, they talk about him, uh, as being a leader on the pitch, a leader off the pitch, he's taken the reins. He's, yeah, he has taken responsibility for making sure this team works. And it was important he was in that midfield actually, because Fred and McTominay were a bit, you know, they were so-so. They were sort of in the game, uh, but not really in- influential on it. Bruno was for the best parts of the United. Yeah, so um, there's a bit of pressure 
which United had a kind of a little build-up of pressure and then Bruno put the ball into the box. Wasn't an amazing ball into the box or whatever, but very decent. But Sanchez, Davidson Sanchez, not Alexis, obviously, um, headed it into Rashford's path. Like, absolutely bizarre bit of attempt at defending. And uh, I wrote side foot two central for Ra- from Rashford, but that was my first note. Actually, seeing the replay, it's brilliant from Rashford. He kind of has no time to react whatsoever and really direct it to try and cut it back across Lloris. And Lloris does really well to get a foot to it. Yeah, a good game, Lloris, actually. Yeah, very. Uh, unlike the keeper at the other end. We'll talk about him. Rashford, he's definitely had better games for United, of course. And oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm apart from some players in this game, I'm not going to be knee-jerk about any of them because they've just had three months off. It's like watching their first, or in this case, third pre-season game and making judgments. Uh-huh. Uh, so... Um, he wasn't quite as sharp as we'd expect him to be, of course. But he was also out for a long time. Like He was out for a long time long before time. this as well. Yeah, with that, that really serious back injury. So it's a massive bonus he's back. And he, he did some nice moments in the game, but, uh, you know, not as sharp as he can be. But that was, a, that was a good chance and, you know, not quite. So Fred has a shot on target from the edge of the box. Then there's a little bit of that pace from Dan James, who... Mm, um, I mean, Mason Greenwood for Dan James will say. God, it's, it's not even close, is it? Dan James seems like a really lovely, genuine fella who really, really wants to... He's got a great work ethic. He really wants to do well for this club. Super focused. This is not off the stuff, off the pitch stuff that's causing him problems. He's just... He feels like he's being thrown in too soon. And again, same caveat as before. He's had three months off. It'll take him a bit of time to get sharp but his performance was the same performance he's been giving us most of the season I mean he scored in the the last game didn't he he, he scored just before the break I seem to remember right. he, I think he did um, but he hadn't scored since August before that but his problem is the problem it's always been his problem in this game right when there's no space behind he's completely ineffective he's just completely ineffective yeah I mean my hope for Dan James is that um it's just like I just don't want to go too soon on Dan James. If I if I sure. went now on opinions on Dan James, it'd be like, well, he's got no future at United. But I think I think it's too. We've seen many times players really dramatically transform their capacities and how much contribution. And what I hope is that this is his Malcolm Gladwell season. You know, it's not quite ten thousand hours, but this is his. This mm. is the kind of the foundation laying season that leads to something. I, I'm not expecting that i'm just hoping no. for it I, d- I just wonder whether he's got enough tools in the locker to to become the kind of player we'd like him to be he seems quite a one-dimensional but we'll, we'll see you know again yeah hope hope uh hope stuff comes good for him and he's got plenty of time he's young and yeah the fact that he's played so many minutes this season just a huge I mean, yeah 32 games i think he started something like that um it's just an incredible amount of games for a player who was uh, supposed to be a young player on the fringes of the squad playing now and again and it just kind of says something of United's weakness also says something about Ollie, which he refuses to play Greenwood even now even though he was talking about he was talking about Greenwood before the game and he said the the shutdown has been really good for him because he he couldn't do as much cardio so he's at home pushing weights and he's filled out a lot it's true it's noticeable he's you know physically much much bigger and I think it will do him as long as he hasn't lost any pace, yeah, that's doing it. I a lot hope of good. it'll do him. I hope it'll do him good. I hope it doesn't sure affect it will, his balance yeah. and his, yeah. his no, pace. Look, he that. doesn't look like a bodybuilder. He's no, just, no, he's he just doesn't look like a scrawny kid anymore. He looks 
so much like Robin Van Persie. It's absolutely ridiculous. He's like a Robin Van Persie tribute act. It's it's remarkable. Uh, yeah, Dan James, I was just looking it up. He did. He scored against LASK um, and had not scored for United since the 31st of August. Scored for Wales in September, but still, it's a very, very long time in between. Anyway, um, that, that Dan James uh, break preceded... What oh. can it's just I, I, it's every time you look at it, I, I just want to cry basically, you know, because I I really want Dave to come good, and I think the his problems this season don't they're not the yips, right? He he's he's not having that. He's flapping at crosses and he's losing confidence in everything. It's very very specific, letting in shots he should not let in, right? And it's, it feels like ninety nine percent of I don't think it's, no no because I don't think it's. I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's a con- concentration thing. You know, I just think he's not concentrating at really important moments. With this, it was shin height and he tried to punch it. I mean, it was genuinely, genuinely awful piece of goalkeeping. He wasn't even close. It's not, he wasn't even close to, I mean, like, it's awful all around this goal, right? It's, it's awful because... When Basaka tries to, well, he, he doesn't keep up with the offside, um, so he plays everyone on. It's it's uh, it's awful because Shaw just heads it up into the air. What kind of clearance is that? Like knock it out if you if you can't get it away. Uh, and then Harry Maguire, never seen him move so fast. It was just he was going backwards away I mean, from. He got, <laughs> I, I like a lot of people. I saw a lot of people criticizing Maguire, and it, and it was bad. But he just got sold by the defend by the attacker. Like he got skinned basically. And that felt felt like kind of first game back, kind of like just not quite on it. And he's not he's not normally one that you would kind of fear for in a one on one duel in that situation when, with a striker. Well, running he's not at always him. the most fleet fleet of foot, Maguire. That's his uh, his biggest weakness. Anyway, he, he sure he got done by the quality of the the player, and then but the worst of the four is is obviously De Gea. It's it's routine. It's really quite. I mean, ball moved a little bit, but not that much, and you can see it very clearly. And it's come from a long way out, longish way out. Anyway, um, plenty of time for him to see it, and I think every keeper in the the league's going to save that. And and Dave, you'd expect him to save it all the time. But who he scored? Didn't. didn't who scored? Didn't give him a little e, little error leading to goal, which Clearly is bizarre. It's a double error. <laughs> yeah, I just just watch it again. It's like the the angle from which is basically from behind the shot. It's a low angle camera. Um, and the slow mo is just—it's just—you just you think poor guy needs to come out of the team right now when you see that one because he's he's gone down. You'd expect him, like it's either he hasn't unfurled his hands to catch it quick enough. It's like a little mini punch. Yeah, absolutely. Just you know, and and it's all about this thing that his whole game is based on precognition. Like his whole game is based on what they call reflex saves, which are actually anticipatory saves. And there's something gone really wrong with his capacity to read simple situations. Like sure. that's that's why um, I think it kind of is analogous to the yips, actually, because the yips is when the thing you've always been able to do, you can't do anymore. And it isn't, I, I don't see how this can't be at least, it must be negatively impacting on his confidence because... Cost United Champions. I mean, United's collective failure cost them Champions League football last season. But like the man who was directly responsible for it more than anyone else was De Gea. Because and and this game, like 
this could cost us Champions League qualification again, and it will be because yeah, yeah. of him. Yeah, like, yeah I know. And, and look, of course, job. we're much more critical of goalkeepers because their errors lead to goals, in- inevitably. There's, there's one passage of play that drove me mental. Uh, when Luke Shaw, well, not passage, series of passages of play, gave the ball away five times in a row. And I was like, I, I mean, he adds nothing from an attacking sense. I don't mean to divert the com- conversation. I just, I cannot see any value in Luke Shaw being in the side at all. Right? I couldn't see it before this. I've been really supportive of him over the years, probably too patient. And I just don't get it. I don't understand why he's in. Anyway, so the, that, my point generally is players make mistakes. Some players make an awful lot more mistakes than a goalkeeper. I mean, Dave isn't letting five in a game like that. Yeah. Um, but one is really critical and it's it's cost United points. Yeah. And and it's like Luke Shaw's job isn't to make sure that every pass that he hits finds another player. I mean... Uh, mind you, if it finds the opposition and they go and score as a result of the break, then it is. Yeah, sure. Or if he but, heads it up in the air when it's an easy clearance, it kind of is as well. But, but, but yeah, no, I mean, that one, definitely. But the the diff- the scale of difference of, like, the directness of the problem of that mistake, it's not just that we're more critical of goalkeepers when we make a mistake, it's that it is more critical that goalkeepers don't make those kinds of mistakes. Like, I, I think this is a huge problem for United. And I'd love more than anything to be wrong. But how long do you keep saying that for? I mean, I don't know how many times I said I'd love well, to be wrong nearly about two Rudy. seasons, yeah. So it's, that's an awful long time for a player who seems to be degrading. And, and of yeah. course, across those two seasons, it's, it's probably 10 mistakes or something. It's probably less than that, actually. But it's still... That's a hell of a lot for a top level keeper, and and then you know of course it's it's that that kind of thinking exacerbated because you know to have on their books a very good goalkeeper, young keeper, who we don't know how good he can become, but it's extremely competent. As Sheffield United doesn't make a lot of mistakes, called himself out, and his manager called him out when he did make a couple of mistakes, um, and um, you know Sheffield United haven't started the restart that well but he's not at fault they started very badly any, yeah they started badly good for us yeah um, few. In, 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 that's our level um or more, that's unfair at Sheffield United's level they've done very well um but but United have that on their books so maybe the answer to the problem um is Henderson comes back next season and he provides real and genuine competition and that's Dave's last chance because no one's going to buy De Gea this summer not on those wages not in the the post-COVID environment and the finances of all the leagues. So he's with United next season. So that's the best one. And and maybe Henderson will back up his extreme confidence with the confidence that he can, you know, supplant Dave in the side. Because he definitely could. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Dave, Dave's gone from being by far the league's best um, goalkeeper. I mean, by far and away the league's best goalkeeper by any kind of data metric you want to choose to use certainly in terms of xg save sorry um but now he's well below average in the league for about 10 you know, yeah yeah so. so it's it's a big problem so that happened um fred put in a good free kick rashford couldn't get there ball bobbled around went out for a corner it was kind of flapped out by um by larice and i think neville was a bit critical of rashford for not attacking the ball properly and that was when i muted the commentary um, how dare you and that's our prime minister you're talking about um <laughs> you, di- you didn't catch uh, Roy Keane at half time then uh no I didn't I I've since seen it um I 
think that he's ridiculously... I mean, I, we've just spent 10 minutes criticising David De Gea, but hopefully not saying he's a disgrace. He's supposed to be representing Manchester United and after three months of not playing professional football, he's made a mistake and therefore deserves shooting. Roy, the greatest player ever to play for Man United. <laughs> um, not not so good in the subtle, nuanced art of analysis. It's, uh, it's, I, I was going to come to this at half time, but since we're on it and uh, seem to be talking about um, things in the round today anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of felt it was pantomime and I... I do believe that Roy Keane is a is an intelligent man who knows what he's saying and he's playing a, a part. You know, he's. I think as uh, Miguel Delaney said, he's he Roy Keane is now playing a character called Roy Keane. Yeah, and Neville went through this period for a while, and so I do think it's that. It's, it was interesting. Um, uh, Roy Keane. Um, someone else was talking about it. Went went to visit Andy Cole in hospital. He's good friends with Ollie Solskjaer. They spend quite a good bit of time together. Um, I, I'm sure he's not like this in normal company. He's he's amping up his role in the narrative somewhat for TV. It was it was kind of funny. It's great TV when you just gets take it on its all, own. <laughs> but it's, gets it's people ridiculous. People riled up though. It really, people just get they. Like, yeah, he's right. That's professional footballers are a disgrace again after being national heroes a week earlier or whatever. Yeah, anyway. I, I, did, I did like Petri's Everett. I mean, Everett was taking it like fully tongue in cheek. I mean, literally, yeah. I think he had his tongue in his cheek at one point and um, said, yeah, don't worry, I'll, uh, anyone, any United players need a taxi, I drove down so I can drive them back up. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, there was a decent save from De Gea. Yeah, uh, from Bergwijn. Son. Yeah, yeah Bergwijn did Which quite well, Roy King was... claimed he would have saved. Don't think so, Roy. Don't. It was, I don't think so. It was fine. Um, and then there was a Bruno shot from range, which uh, gonna, you have to get, you have to tolerate Bruno Fernandes shooting from absolutely outrageous shooting positions because you know that he is much more likely to score than he should by any given right be. Uh, there was one late on in the game which left Pogba kind of like doing Rooney flappy arms. But I think Bruno was like, mm, do you want me to send you a video to show you why I do this? <laughs> yes, yes. One did nearly hit the corner flag. So there there are a few of those, yeah. And anywhere inside his half is fair game, he believes. Yeah. Oh, that was that was one though. That shot near the end of the, the first half, uh, I've remembered why I noted it. It's because he fell down uh, but still managed to skin the Spurs player because he... He used the fact that he slipped to send the Spurs player the wrong way and doubled back and opened up some space for himself for a shot. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Um, we came out of the traps absolutely flying after the. Yeah, after and he was the- all united in the second half. Really, I mean, Spurs um, happy to retreat. Looked like a Mourinho side, didn't yeah. they? For and, most of and it. And then talking to Mourinho, it was very nice to see Paul Pogba coming. I mean, I, I had messaged you. I'm not saying I'm some sort of football um, genius for thinking that this was what needed to happen, but it's so rare that you go, I think these should be the subs and then they actually happen. But I messaged to say, like, we need Greenwood for James and Pogba for Fred and then this game changes altogether. And it, that's very much what happened. It was uh, 
suddenly we had a front five of Greenwood, Rashford, Martial, Pogba, Fernandez. That's a team, that is. So there was a there was a shot from Bruno about seven or eight minutes after half time as well from uh, from range just wide this time, inches was, uh, wide, inches, inches, inches. I think was was that just before Pogba and Greenwood came on? I think it probably was. I mean, absolutely the right um, the right substitutions to make, of course. <clears throat> yeah, and um, and uh, then there's a. Brilliant pass from Bruno to Martial. Absolutely like world-class pass. Uh, really good sliding tackle from Dyer. Stopped Martial getting the shot off. Um, when was it? Oh, yeah. What a save by Lloris. Yeah. Now, that was yeah. a save from a shot from a tight angle. So, ha- is that the one? Was that Pogba finding Martial in the box? And Martial sort of turning and falling away and shooting? That's right. Yeah. I mean, great save. I mean, Lloris is another one who's, who's probably degraded in quality over the years, right? So... Um, but that was a fine save. And, and of course, keepers who can do that save you a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Save Spurs, for sure. And then my next note is just, wow, Pogba for the penalty. Uh, I mean, there's one there's one other raking pass that Pogba played. Can't remember if that was before or after. Um, absolutely brilliant. But yeah, Pogba just getting the ball. It was like, it was like Pez or FIFA. We just get the ball out wide and just cut inside and beat player after player after player. And, of course, then Dyer could take no more. And I think it was Dyer dived in, took Pogba out, 100% pen, no doubt whatsoever, wasn't worried at all with the VAR check. As soon as you saw that video, it's like, yep, this is 100% a pen. Yeah, Dyer always feels when he's playing in central defence like that, that he's an error waiting to happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just lovely skill from Pogba, great feet. And, uh, you know, got in a very good position. I, like, it's not many games left this season. So I do wonder whether they'll find it a little bit hard at first. You know, like the adrenaline and then we'll see the second game. I, I'd be surprised again if he starts against Sheffield United. But but Ollie said he'd get more time. So maybe he comes on at half time or gets half an hour or 35 minutes. He's got a lot of subs these days. Uh, so 20, 20 minutes or so today and he'll get a bit more and a bit more and then the clamour to see him and Bruno in the same side will be will be high you know and I, I, it's going to happen has to yeah I mean I'm I'm extremely excited for it I have to say like really genuinely very excited for it and and that that period of play made me very excited for the rest of this season listen it could all go horribly wrong fine but there's going to be some fantastic football to watch and and not to be like in obvious, but if you can't get, can't take a sort of collective deep breath and work out what you appreciate out of life when, you know, so much has been taken away from all of us for such a long period of time, just the simple pleasures of seeing brilliant sports people be brilliant at their sport. I am, I am okay with setting a bit of the kind of like obsession with winning and success and all those things. I mean, I'd love it if United do well and get into the Champions League that would be yeah, well, absolutely brilliant I mean it's good you know? it's, it's it's important for the club that sure. you know during the Champions League and you know talk about money and all of that kind of stuff and it's important because if they get into Champions League we'll see some even better players and we'll see development of this team and we don't have to watch bloody Europa League football again <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's important for my sanity <laughs> and the quality of this podcast 
So <laughs> yeah, there's many, true. many reasons. Yes, I, I, I do just appreciate football. I've watched a lot of football this weekend because I just wanted to appreciate football again. And I've really yeah. enjoyed it all, actually, you know, even yeah. without the crowds and just uh, watching the, the competition. Um, I especially want United to be playing in those big games. I want yeah. United to be playing against the best teams and have Pogba and Bruno in the side at the same um, time. So Bruno with a absolutely shocking dive that John Moss, mate. What, what are I you mean, talking it's about? He clipped him, clipped him. His, Far his... is so biased. <laughs> it's just saying. Scousers, it's... Scousers John... in the, yeah, outrageous. John Moss's first game back after a long period of time out. Um, although I'm not sure that would have been much different whether it was his first game back or not. And to be fair, in real time, I didn't know whether he touched him or not on in the on the first instant. My instant reaction wasn't like, that's definitely a dive. And then you see the VAR and you're like, mm, this is literally why VAR exists, isn't it? Because there's a solid six inches of air between the two players. You anticipated the challenge, I say. Yeah, let, let's say that. Um, and then, oh God, I thought Mason Green would have won it. Oh God, oh. it's upsetting me even saying it. You expect moment. him to put it away. I mean, it's yeah. on his nominally weaker foot, but I mean, it doesn't really make any difference to Mason. But it's, it's yeah, it's cold wide it's, as well. Oh. Give him another, another sort of few, you know, another 90 minutes and that's in, you know. Or just even give him two more cracks at it and one of them goes in, you know. It's like, I mean, it was a very wide angle. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy chance. I, I was, I kind of thought he'd scored an absolutely amazing goal. That's what I thought rather than like he should score or whatever, but. Between the Martial chance that uh, Lloris did the brilliant save from, the Rashford chance, some of the Bruno long ranges that, that nipped just wide, that Mason Greenwood won. It felt like a game that United... Um, and, and the fact that we haven't talked about Spurs at all in the second half. I mean, I, I agree with you about Luke Shaw. He had a, he had a bad game. And, but ultimately, like, if, if De Gea did the kind of very basic thing that he was meant to do and... and he has this huge line of credit in the bank, but the credit's running out because, I mean, if this was the first time he'd done it, I wouldn't think anything of it. You know, you go, my goodness, what a strange mistake for De Gea to make. But it's just, this is what happens. I mean, it happens so often now. It's it's a massive issue. But um, if United play like this, they'll win a lot more games than yeah, they yeah. don't win. And, and yeah. ultimately, we've got to say, um, even though we're further behind Chelsea... And Wolves have caught up with us on points. So you could say this has not been a good first round of games. Um, uh, you could also say that this is one of the harder fixtures United have got and we could easily on, have on lost paper, this game. It's our, it's our toughest, apart from Leicester on the final day, which might mean nothing. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. And, and who knows where Leicester will be uh, at that stage, you know, and exactly how they'll come back into into the game. You know, maybe they'll carry on scoring Waldies. Yep. Or having Weldy scored against them. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, um, yes, so- I, look, I, I do agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, after the balance of the, the game, and there was a period when United let the intensity drop, and I thought that was a bit sloppy, but we'll put it down to um, three months out. Against the Spurs side, who seemed very happy to just sit back, and United almost gave them the space. You know, and I think if if they'd kept the impetus all the way through, they'd have beaten this Spurs side. And I guess that's hard. And that's, that's the really frustration. I know it's a great result, but you know, well, there aren't that. It? It's a good result. Sorry, good result. Um, there just aren't that many games left. Eight now to catch up five points, which is yeah. a lot. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it, a lot it, in eight games, and and you know, everyone counts. 
It is, and that, that's that's absolutely right. Of course, the 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 the. I mean, hopefully, we won't have to make those points up. And it's more about not. It's more about not letting walls overtake us. Actually, sure, it's yes, as much yes. About that, Assuming the city cast thing, but yeah. who knows? You know, UEFA no, are making course. strange decisions. They basically ditched financial fair play for the next two seasons. Yeah. I mean, they haven't. They've rolled them together and then said, "You demonstrate what you think you've lost." And we won't count that, um, which which basically means for if you think about it, clubs who have outside sources of income can then take that block of money they're saying they've lost and just put it on transfers. It's great sure. for Paris Saint Germain and and Chelsea and Manchester City and and so on. Anyway, so the, uh, ramble, but. UEFA could make some odd decisions here, which is like we're deferring this or something like that. Yeah, for sure, that's possible, of course. Um, so uh, the um, it's it's a shame in in that sense. Of five points is a lot to make up, and I, I I think while the point about impetus is well made, I do think it's kind of unreasonable to expect them. I'm not saying you do. But that's where you've got to, we've all got to say three months off is really hard. One of the times they lost impetus actually was the second half drinks break, which came at an incredibly bad time for United when they were banging yeah, on sure. the door. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. really did take the wind out of United. And, you know, nothing you can do about that. I mean, lots of, ugh, there's been a lot of talk about the drinks break. And I just think, oh my God, can we not just let people make some concessions to the fact that this is an absolutely crazy situation i think it's totally fine you, they've decided on the rule i know it's a bit odd when it was chucking it down in city versus arsenal and they're like oh better have a drink it's like minus four in manchester and <laughs> we need we're a bit hot here lads um but there will be games where it, it is full sun you know at the end of june and they're baking and it's and they haven't had a proper pre-season it's perfectly sensible and not much of a concession anyway well, in um, in birmingham on wednesday it's going to be 29 degrees centigrade so like it's going to be hot this week um so another reason not to know. go to birmingham that's all hey. i can say <laughs> hey. um oh, I chelsea see. play you turn your back on your roots we know where you we know where you come from we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your fancy I mean, London ways. Um, so Chelsea play City next and then Leicester after that. So the narrative could change around this quite quickly. And we, of course, yeah, play Sheffield United, who've had a very bad start, made an absolute mess of uh, the game against Newcastle, which was kind of amusing. Um, and they'll be without Henderson for the game against us, which comes next. Uh, and then we play Brighton, who were... I don't know how what kind of barometer it is beating Arsenal these days. I'd say not much of one. They they were sinking quite fast before the break. And then we played Bournemouth, who were awful, um, apparently, against City. I didn't see it. Uh, so, Palace. Yeah, against Palace, that apparently. they were and, and Villa, who were, yeah, against Sheffield United, should have lost the game to a very, very poor um, uh, decision, goal decision system thing. Uh, uh, unprecedented levels of occlusion. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's right. Official yeah. statement. Um, I can. I'll send. Um, I have some friends in the uh, augmented reality space. I'll send them some of their programmers. Shall I to sort that problem out? Um, well, in nine anticipate the occlusion. Your programming yeah, nine, should do it. But that, that's nine thousand test games, and it's never happened before. So it's kind of a freak occurrence. Anyway, um, the 
the other thing about Sheffield, so Sheffield United were dreadful against Newcastle. I hear they were pretty bang average yeah. against. I mean, Villa. You know, and um, we talked on the. I was I was kind of saying, well, he's playing relegation teams. That's kind of like they've got a lot to play for, and you were like, yeah, but they're rubbish. And this these games between when we had that conversation and right now, the relegated teams have been absolutely. <laughs> Terrible. Almost all of the teams right in the scrap Villa were, were, were really bad. all right for the three seconds that they actually managed to have possession against Chelsea. <laughs> my my favourite stat of the weekend, Statman Dave's Instagram, I saw this on. Um, Chelsea made 319 parts, passes in the first half to Aston Villa's 29. Hmm. <laughs> like, and went in 1-0 down. That was pretty crazy. First the, half uh, actually, it, it kind of reminds me of something I was thinking of. So uh, at half time, um, the three lowest pass players who'd made the three, the three players who'd made the fewest passes in the game, United versus Spurs, were, were Martial and Kane, hardly had the ball, a lot of sideward stuff. Um, and Musa Sissoko, I've never seen a central midfielder have so few touches. Ten passes he made. A central midfielder. He did a really good bit of uh, defensive work in the second half of the one time I noticed him. Really, really fine bit of like he nudged someone off the ball or they just a very kind of fine, fine challenge against the United player in a, in a good, in an important moment. Um, yeah, Martial didn't have a very good game, but very nearly. I mean, it was an excellent attempt that Lloris pulled off that wonder save from. So, you know, he kind of hard to be too critical of him, I think. Harry Kane looks like a bust flush, but we'll, we'll it really he's come back out. from a, a long injury yeah, as true, well. So true. but but there's um way more evidence than just this game of uh, him like uh, falling by the wayside somewhat. Yeah. It kind of COVID came at the right time for United not making some dumb bid for Harry Kane, right? So yeah. anyway, um, that's that that was that game. So, so Sheffield United. We, we move then. on to Sheffield United who who played Villa weren't particularly good in that game against Villa. Neither were Villa, you know, two two crappy teams negating each other's uh, high quality in that one. Um, got completely robbed, and then then against uh, Newcastle. So what they, happened? It was it was nil nil when I went out so, for a run. So it was earlier. it was nil nil. But Newcastle, you know, it uh, they were just marginally better, right? Weren't they? And then. Um, there was a, what I thought was a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Apparently, it was a second yellow. He'd got a booking, and, and then he pulled um, he pulled uh, Joe Linton back um, uh. on a break. And it, I was like, "That's a really generous denial of a goal scoring opportunity." Forty something yards from goal with a covering player, but uh, yeah, apparently a second yellow. So deservedly got a red. And then and then um, the. Um, Oh, Dan Egan got sent off and then one of the other defenders, Evans, uh, made just a horrendous error. The ball's come across from the left and you just don't understand how he's missed it. It's like, it's, it's, his two, if he just stood still, it would have bounced off his shins. Might have gone in the net, but it would have bounced off his shins. Anyway, he missed it and, um, and uh, St. Maxim at the back uh, stick put it in and they just kind of collapsed from there. Really, even Joe Linton scored, which is... Something to behold. So, yeah, because the, yeah. the only bit I saw of this game really was a, a shocking miss from Joe Linton 1v1. I mean, not that it was impossible for him to miss, but the nature of the way that he tamely passed it back to the keeper was real bad. I mean, it's very... This season has been... I mean, it's hard to think of this season as being one coherent whole, but Villa scored two goals against us 
to peg it back to two all, if I remember right, or maybe even beat us. I think they might have beaten us at Old Trafford. West Ham definitely beat us two nil at West Ham. I just you just don't know how that's even possible. Having yeah. seen them against Wolves. So, well, we're gonna right. we're gonna talk even more about the uh, the Premier League the weekend's fixtures on the bonus content. So, Sheffield United, how do you how do you see do you see United making too many changes? I mean, I can't imagine too many. I mean, Mason's got to be close, right? Sheffield United will sit back. They will do in this game. I mean, presuming even with the the suspension, they'll still go with a three or five at the back. Um, and there won't be a lot of space. I don't see the value in having Dan James in this. I mean, I haven't got an agenda against him. I just don't see the value. So for me, Mason's got to play, although I, I suppose there are other options. Jesse Lingard could play or, or someone else. Oh, so <laughs> what I mean, like, what, what are we talking about here? Like, why would you not just... I mean, I get why you have to not play Pogba. I would love to see it. I mean, I'd love it, by which I mean I'd love it to be the right thing to do to play McTominay, Fred and Pogba. Um, Fred, Fernandez and Pogba. That would be glorious, but I guess we're not going to see that. So I guess the midfield three would and should be the same. Fred, I thought, looked a bit off it, but McTominay looked fine. Good, classic McTominay. Did, did quite well. There was a bit at the end, though, which uh, wound me up, although I completely understand, really. But Jose Mourinho was kind of walking off the other way and Scott McTominay like, comes bounding up to him like, oh my God, Jose, so good to see you. Um, which yeah, is fair, Manager's fair Player enough. of the Year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's to- totally and utterly fair enough. Yes, um, I mean, I don't expect to see a lot of changes. I mean, De Gea will play. It will be Juan Bazaka, Lindelof and Maguire. Um, Maguire and Lindelof who are doing funny stuff with their positioning against Spurs and swapping and stuff. I mean, I like, you know, Lindelof's always a always a worry, isn't he? But uh, he didn't make Maguire any mistakes against Tottenham. Maguire, like in the final third, a lot in open play as well, which was very noticeable. Yeah. I guess it's um, Mc- sure, sure we'll start. I'm sure. Um, I I think there's a lot of argument for. I was just looking at who scored. Um, Seven point four. Sure, got yeah, from who scored? Sp- no thanks. A lot I of don't dribbles, believe it. Lot of successful dribbles. Beat him a lot of successful of times. dribbles. Yeah. Um, mm. That's what he gets his points for in that game. Uh, I should so, have looked at more data. I don't think he, achieved, he created anything in the game. Um, but I don't expect to see too many other changes. I mean, maybe Greenwood will come in. He should. That he would, just yeah. should. I mean, it, I just don't, I really don't understand the rationale. I have to say, though, um, not understanding the rationale, it, it might be that there's perfectly good rationale that I don't understand and not privy to for some reason. You know, there might be stuff going on. There might be a good reason. Just from just the outside looking in, it looks a complete no-brainer to play the front three of um, Rashford, Martial and Greenwood. That would be yeah. great to see. Um, and I, the only other possible option is that, which I don't think we'll do, but I did think we'd do it against Spurs and didn't, is the back three because Sheffield United will very likely play a back three. They, so. they will, but I don't, I don't see it. I don't see why would you... Need, you don't need to match up against a team that's probably going to get 35% possession. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, you know, United ended up with sixty possession again, sixty percent possession again against Tottenham. Um, what another game where we've not won, having had the lion's share of possession. Uh, but in this one, we had the lion's share of chances too, which uh, hasn't often been the case in the games uh, which the possession stats have looked like that. So yeah, I mean, I I I don't know. Sheffield United's threats, um, they they just they just normally well organized and don't concede a lot of goals maybe it was the red card that changed that in this game they just reacted really badly to it they've got Lundstrom of course who is a an FPL 
uh, like a lot of players, a lot of people might not have been familiar with him, but have had them in the, their fantasy league team all season because he's registered as a defender, but plays in midfield every game and has, has kind of made quite a lot of assists and things like that. I mean, their their top goal scorer is John Fleck with five and and Mousset with five. So there's there's no kind of very obvious danger men in that sense, but they've spread the goals out throughout the team really. And, and, and yeah, just, just been resolute. And even though they've just can ship three against Newcastle, I don't feel super confident. You wonder whether they're going to maybe get a little bit of their mojo back. Um, They've had two games now. They might be kind of, their engines might be going now. I mean, I mean, in theory, they they should be better prepared than United because that's uh, that's ninety minutes more competitive football than yeah. most United players have had. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to pick themselves up from that, that spanking against Newcastle. You know, the the they might feel some fair justification that they should have beaten Villa, uh, but this was this proper tonking, uh, and you know that will confidence will be hit. They, I think, they will. Especially without Henderson, they will they will be very resolute. They will basically play five at the back. Um, they are one of the lower possession teams in the in the league. Not super low, but you know, averaging sort of forty five percent or so. Um, United will probably have sixty percent possession, and and they will have to find ways to to break that team down. Of course, you know it was a very very open game at Bramall Lane earlier in the season. Uh, with a great crowd, great atmosphere, there won't be any of that at Old Trafford. So we've lost that advantage that we should have had, mm. yeah, theoretically. Um, <laughs> so games like this one can uh, fall a bit flat at Old Trafford sometimes, can't they? Uh, so, but you know, it's better players in these circumstances have proven, I think, to um, to to win out in the month or so of the the Bundesliga, yeah. just about. Um, although home advantage just did, does disappear. So we'll see. Yeah. Which one cancels, which one out? Absolutely. And, and you know, whatever happens, I have to say, as soon as the game finished on Friday, I was like, right, come on, when, when are we next? When are we playing next? There's one more. Just more, more United, more. Um, so, yeah, can't wait for six o'clock on Wednesday. Great. And we'll be back... Probably, yeah, we, probably Thursday with the yeah. Depending on we, we're going to record after the game, so depending on how quickly we can get that turned around and out for everyone, um, it might it might well be out on Thursday. But if not, it'll be out Friday. Um, so yeah, we look forward to seeing you then. Patreon backers, stay tuned for what can only be described as an absolute festival of football chat. Everyone else will see you on Thursday. Bye now. Thank you.